Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. You've just had another long leadership meeting and you've been stuck again in the weeds of operations. So how do you make sure you spend the time where you need to spend it, where you add the most value? I'm Davina Stanley. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. I'm here today with Richard Medcalf again to talk about exactly this topic. Hi, Richard. How are you? Yeah, hi, Devina. I'm uh, I'm doing really well. Um, it's uh, a time of recording, right? We're uh, middle of winter. It's pretty cold for me, pretty hot for you. Um, and we've just had a really fascinating conversation, actually, about... Uh, about locusts, locust plagues, <laughs> which I thought was uh, very interesting. Um, we should perhaps explain that to people. But um, the question for the, the, the fun fact for the day, right, is what's the difference between a grasshopper and a locust? Indeed. And we actually Googled and found out there is a difference because I did not believe Richard when he said to me that he had been in Western districts of Victoria, which is part of South, a part of Australia near where I grew up and um, that there was a plague of locusts. And I was convinced and I have to say, I still am fairly confident that they wouldn't be locusts. They'd be grasshoppers. But it turns, out, it, that a, it turns out that a, a locust um, is a grasshopper that hangs out in groups, basically. So, um, well, yes. So, My memory uh, is that grasshoppers often hung out in groups, though. <laughs> there yeah. were often lots and lots of them. But anyway, so, there we um, go. A bit of country trivia for you. Yeah. And I'll tell you, for anyone who mm. believes that locust plagues are rele- relegated to the time of, you know, the biblical times, I tell you, I was driving through them um, in the Grampian Mountains <laughs> and it was quite, uh, quite incredible. Every time you stop the car, your entire car windscreen would be covered with these things. Yeah, um, I remember that growing up, most definitely. So that's not the topic for today, is it? Um, the topic is well, I don't about... think we should draw a parallel between leadership teams and locusts. <laughs> I really don't think we should. <laughs> well, actually, thinking about it, we can because um, here we go. Here's, here's about this is some thinking on my feet. Um, you know, what happens when we get stuck in the weeds of operations, right? We slow down, we lose visibility, right? And we're just swamped with all this stuff. And that's pretty much what happens if you stop your car, you know, you're going slow, you can't go too fast, you've got all these locusts everywhere, you can't see, you're stuck in the details of how do I actually, you know, make the next turn. Well done, Richard. I think that's, I can (laughs) picture it. I can see it. Absolutely. So that's the question today. If we are, you know, if as a team, you know, you feel that you feel that we've all seen it, you know, leadership teams, they're meant to be really running their business unit or running their company. And actually their conversations are really down in the, in the minutiae and um, it's draining for people. Um, The, progress on the big initiatives just really slows down to a crawl meetings are not fun that people aren't engaged um, because it's often only a few people talking about these topics right so it can be a real problem 
Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I hear a lot about that with my clients about that problem. But how common is it? Is it talked about a lot more than it actually happens? Or do you actually see a lot of teams stuck this way? I think it will depend on the maturity of the company. I think, you know, so when you get to a certain level, there's governance has really been put in place. Um, but I think at a lot of smaller and mid-sized companies, and sometimes in those larger ones as well, you'd be surprised, um, it happens. So I find that some teams are really disciplined and they rarely go there. Um, and I think that's often because the systems and structures have been created. Those where those things aren't in place, there's other teams. I think they get stuck in operations you know, 80% of the time, 90% of the time, right? It can be, um, in a sense, it's obvious. It's it's often convenient. You know, it's often a good place to deal with issues. Oh, my colleague's there. I need to quickly do a check-in and sort some issue out that's come up during the week or during the month. So everyone's there. There's a regular slot in the diary. So you can kind of go, oh, I'll just wait till I see them on Tuesday or next week to, to talk about this. And the topics are often urgent, painful operational issues so you put all that together into a recipe and boom you get operational discussions being talked about during the leadership mm-hmm. team meetings mm. no, I can see I can see how it happens and it's just very easy to get hijacked by this swarm of grasshoppers isn't it <laughs> these small tiny things that um, yeah. that sort of get in the way but um, other than you know being in a mature organization or having those sort of good systems in place that that's all very well but what happens if we do find ourselves in that situation where for some reason perhaps a team used to be terrific at staying at that higher level and Mm. something's changed and they've gone down into the weeds maybe they've had a crisis or something and they've just stayed there you know what are the sorts of things that we can do to get out and stay out of the weeds yeah I think there's a a few number one is I guess really about consider your identity and your purpose. So we've talked about this in previous episodes, but the question of why are we here as a leadership team? What uniquely are we contributing to this organization, right? What's our unique role? And I think often when you do that, when you have that discussion, you realize that there are these really high value activities to be focusing on. And when you haven't really locked in on those, it creates an issue. So I'll give you an example. I was um, working with a team well, this week and last week, in fact, a, a, a leadership team of a, a pharmaceutical company, um, really interesting group. They've, um, they, they traditionally had a lot of these operational discussions going on, in fact, um, for various structural reasons they need to get into. Um, and when we spoke last week, and we had this discussion about, well, you know, there's been a reorg, you want to up your game. Why are you here, right? What only this team do? And what do you want to do? We started to talk about it. And I think the big insight was actually our main, uh, our main reasons for being here is almost to guide the stakeholder environment, right? To actually inf- be the inf- people who are um, opening up the gates, opening the doors, for the other operational teams to do their stuff. That's internally and externally. And when you start to realize that, then suddenly you realize, okay, operations, we have people to do the operations, but we need to be doing this higher value task. And I think when you shift and say, okay, as a team, we're here to do this, then everything else can start to fall into place. Because if not, operations will shout loudest. Operation is always the urgent, um, dramatic thing. And unless everybody's got a really clear sense of what else needs to be addressed that's more important, 
in the long term, operations will kind of win out. No, it's so easy to have that happen, isn't it? And if you think of that Eisenhower matrix with that urgent versus important sort of prioritisation, it's it's so difficult, isn't it, to get out of the urgent? Yeah, yeah. and of course, the thing with the Eisenhower matrix is that people think the place you're meant to be is in the urgent plus important, but it's that's the fallacy. Urgent and important means something's gone wrong often, right? In other words, you've not built the systems and processes which is normally in the important but not urgent category. And so whilst you need to deal with the urgent and important as a priority, the whole game is to get fewer and fewer of those in that quadrant. And so people often feel they're doing a great job because they're always nailing the urgent and important stuff. But actually, um, that's a hamster wheel, hamster wheel of death, really. I mean, yes. you, can't, you just can't up level when you're always in that square. Absolutely. No, I can speak from experience on that one. It's very, very hard to get out of that corner, isn't it? Very difficult. And um, just working out how to filter the things that you're doing and and work out whether they really do belong in your court, I think is a very important part of that process, isn't it? To be able to delegate down to get them out of out of the way. But um, you had some questions there, sort of perhaps in relation to that delegating down. Mm. You know, one question you had there was, you know, why has something been escalated to the leadership team? That's perhaps a good point to bring that in. Yeah, so I was working with a tech leadership team um, who, again, find their discussions get dragged into operation. There's a lot going on and it's a high growth company. There's lots of things changing. It's kind of natural at one level. But when we got into it, we realized that this is not just a discussion about the leadership team. And this is, again, the fallacy. A lot of people doing team building or team development will focus very much on what's going on within the boundary of the team. How are relationships? How are people contributing? Uh, what are the processes in the team? I'm much more focused these days on the interfaces with the outside world, as well as what's going on in the team. And so the key interface that we identified with this leadership team was what we call the N minus one, right? It's the it's their relationship with their own reports and with the extended mm-hmm. management team. Because if there's not a confidence in being able to pass things to the to their reports and empowering the report and letting them get on with managing their business units, then those those responsibilities stay on the shoulders of the execs, who therefore bring that into the meetings. And so having a discussion about really getting clear about what the executive team is there to do and what the extended team is there to do, I think is really important. And so there's two, sorry, you're going to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to say there's two two parts to that. And perhaps you said we're heading possibly in the same direction. But one part is, you know, not bringing things into the meeting that your team ought to be dealing with. Mm. But another one, I think, is just the very fact that if your team isn't up to where they need to be, you end up spending so much time in their world outside the meetings that when you come to the meetings, you just cannot be properly equipped. I've seen that Mm. with one of my clients where that's been an enormous challenge for her because of the dynamics in her team you know when she does come to the leadership meetings she just has you know, it's really a difficulty of getting the headspace right yes exactly so I think it's what you said there's there's the kind of in the moment there is stepping back to go hang on this topic is this the right topic for us to be discussing why has it been escalated um 
rather than answering the question, can we go back with guidance to help them answer the question? So can we come up with like a, these are the key questions we would like you to think about, right? Uh, or actually, when you come to us, would you, please, would you please give us three options and a recommendation and a justification rather than just giving us an open question? So part of it is, is kind of doing judo moves on what's coming in to the team. Yes. And the other part is more of the structural, okay, how do we need to create a different culture um, yes. with our extended team? What, what's, what development do they need or what do we need to be doing together to establish those rules of engagement? So one's kind of more foundational, but then you've also got this kind of blocking and tackling in the moment. And the temptation is just to get into the discussion because it's interesting. People feel in their comfort zones. It's good old operations. The, the, the challenge is to push it back down with, with some key advice or yes quite quite satisfying too to feel like you've ticked some boxes and got some things done Everyone isn't it it's, it's like hero. doing the easy yeah. things first well particularly you know if you think of leaders and psychological profiles anyone with the right skills can be a great leader but a lot of people in the sort of leadership roles I think display what I would call driver sorts of personality wow. types and there's a real sort of a, a seduction there with getting things done it's something they love to do you know they like to get make decisions and move forward so mm. you're asking them to take away something that they actually would quite like to do yeah it makes it even more difficult absolutely I mean one of the things I always talk about is um do you go fast and solve the problem or do you or do you build momentum and build the team and the mm. temptation is always to go fast and solve the problem we're addicted to speed and we love that problem solving but actually that's not building the team it's back to what we said the other episode. It's better to have a 60% idea with 100% ownership from our team than a 100% mm -hmm. good idea that we've come up with with only 60% ownership because it's just the thing the executive team has come up with. And I think Absolutely, that's a real well, danger. Absolutely. Well, it comes down to execution then, doesn't it? Because the leadership team cannot execute on everything. And if the, if the team um, is, is absolutely bought in, then they will execute. Mm. Whereas if they're not, fully bought in then you know that execution becomes that much more difficult doesn't it yeah exactly I think this is one of the things I find when I'm coaching uh, teams leadership teams that we often focus on because again it, it's coming down to there's some habits to build here there's some reflexes there's kind of like a little system to install when these things come up in the moment and also awareness in the moment oh hang on this is not the topic we should be talking about do we have the the instinct as a team to push it back or do we have the instinct to grab hold of it and um and before that there's this whole agreement that this is as a team that this is not what we should be doing and all that stuff needs to kind of come through a discussion with the team and kind of uh again what often holds people back is that they want to just get on with task after task and not actually just stop and have some discussions which feels like you're not accomplishing anything <laughs> but actually if you want to get a yes. lot of operations you have to step back operations is all about the thrill of accomplishment to get out of that you have to actually become a little bit more reflective and not be addict so addicted to having three action points from every meeting yes yeah no I can see that absolutely and there must be some questions though also you know when you're thinking about the judo moves mm. you know how do you you know how do you make the decisions you know around mm. whether you should apply those moves or take something on is it about which forum you're in and, and which is most appropriate or well yeah so I think if you remember in the uh, I think it was episode seven we did about meetings mm. 
uh, we talked one of the key moves about meetings is to make sure you're separating operational and tactical and strategic mm -hmm. and kind of fund foundational discussions. So there can be a, a time where leaders need to get together to quickly resolve issues between their teams, right? Working in the gaps, right? The relationship between marketing and sales or something that's fallen down between operations and production or whatever it is. Those quick check-ins can be really helpful, but they're not really the, they're more like one-to-one -one discussions or pretty quick discussions and not there to be had when you've got 10 people around a table. Um, so I think the forum is important. Um, one team I worked with when we started, they actually had a lot of basically commercial discussions between three of the key leaders with the other five or seven people uh, pretty much watching on because this was not an HR issue. This was not a um, regulatory issue. <laughs> this was not um, a finance issue. It was a kind of a, um, a very tactical or commercial discussion, but those discussions were taking, you know, a lot of the meeting. And so I suppose to identify that is to look around and go, who's really, who is this discussion? Just a two way or a three way discussion mm -hmm. here? Do we need everybody else? Like, if this is not relevant to most of this team, we need another forum for it. Absolutely. It becomes very expensive, doesn't it? I think you've talked in previous episodes of thinking about the hourly rate, if you like, of the people in the room and, you know, correlating the, the, their ideal hourly rate and the actual hourly rate for the work that they're doing. Mm. And if they're just sitting there listening and not involved, you know, they're thousands of dollars an hour, perhaps, or certainly mm. many hundreds versus zero, you know, in terms of actual value add. And the, there's such a disconnect there, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, and one, of, and one of the ways of dealing with that um, that disconnect is having a structure in place. So what happens is the reason those discussions happen is because they haven't got another check-in in the diary, mm. possibly because they don't even know who to talk to, <laughs> right? Because they don't know which issue is going to yes. be needed to deal with. So sometimes there'll be operational teams that'll be set up, but sometimes you're not quite sure who it is you need to have that discussion with. So just imagine instead of having an hour in your meet diary, or say 90, if you had 90 minutes in your diary for your leadership team meeting, perhaps you have an hour to be all together. And then especially if you're using something like Zoom, you can do breakout rooms. And so at the end of the hour, you can kind of say, if anyone needs to stay on, you know, we can open a quick breakout rooms and people can go in and have any other conversations that they need. Um, and so you create a system so that very, it's very easy during the meeting to say, okay, you know, Bob and Sally, uh, it sounds like we need to figure this out. Can you do that after the meeting? Yep, sure, good, done. Mm. And then later on, mm. it's it's somebody else. It's it's you know Jeff and Mia, and they they need to have a conversation, and you, they can go into a breakout room after the meeting. And so because they've all got the time in the diary, suddenly it becomes doable. Yes, yes, yes. No, that that makes good sense. That makes good sense. So we've covered on a couple of things there. Was there anything else that you wanted to add on, on this topic? Um, so I think there's, I think there's, so I think we've covered three things, right? We've had this question about identity and purpose, uh, knowing what's the higher value activity other than operations. The second one is looking at that interface with the next level down, both structurally, but also what do we do when something comes up from that interface? that we shouldn't be dealing with. And then we talked yes. about the right forums. That's the th kind of the third yes. point, the right forums. Yes. Um, I think the final point I would say is about preparation 
and and governance so and i know this is one of your your things right it's it's absolutely it's the p word <laughs> yeah right exactly yeah. it's being sufficiently prepared so that when we get into the meeting we know exactly what is to be dealt with and we have the information available yes. uh, because again you've got a lot of people there they're all busy people all with important things to be doing and if you need to be using that valuable time to give really minor operational updates it's kind of just not treating your colleagues with the respect that they deserve. Definitely not. And I think if you're just very, very clear about the purpose of any communication that you're putting forward or any messaging that you're putting forward, and as soon as you think, I want my audience to know or I want my audience to understand, you should stop and ask yourself why. And, you know, ask that many times sometimes to really get away from the knowledge-based um, purposes because very often that can just be, you know, for noting, that can be something that can be read separately and just mentioned in passing, does anyone have any extra thoughts on this rather than actually spending a lot of time in the meeting on it because uh -huh. um, it's it, quite rare, we find anyway, where it's actually that's the genuine purpose for putting something forward. But people routinely come forward and say, well, I just want to update them about this. And you say, well, why? why why and drill in and, and that does change the dynamics so you know, being very very alert to that idea of I'm just going to update them I think it's a bit of a red flag for me yeah and I think as the, if you're the CEO you have a real responsibility to um, put the bar high on those discussions like actually there's a time where you can just go this is you know to actually um even to the extent of shooting somebody down in a meeting because what the hell, you know, like this is not appropriate discussion for this group because actually people need to get the message at some point. And it's so dangerous for the health of the team and the organization if you're not focusing on the key issues that I think you need to make the point. And then if people aren't doing it, the message needs to be very loud and clear so that people are only That's bringing okay. the topics that need to be addressed. And I think as, as the leader of the meeting, uh, in a sense, it really isn't you is to, in a sense, the quality of the agenda is your responsibility. Uh, and if it's not a high quality agenda with the most important topics, you know, take that as an ownership issue for you. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's um, a great point then to sort of tie that all together, isn't it? Because this will be the last sort of formal episode in this series talking on these topics. Um, is there anything you want to sort of add to throw that together before we before we close out? Yeah, so I think next time I will do a short little uh, summary um, episode as well, just to kind of bring these things together to say, what would you do uh, if some or all of the issues that we've been talking about ring true? How do you actually go ahead and implement some of these decisions, some of these ideas? Um, but in terms of the discussion for today, what I would say is there's always the whirlwind of operations and it sucks you in and it's never ending and there's always things to talk about. That's going to come to you and your reports, whatever happens in a way. But as a leadership team, you need to come out of the storm and you need to work on the structural issues. It's, if you don't do it, it won't happen. And so when you do do that, everything changes. When you do focus in as a team on these are the, just a couple of things that we want to make happen in a short space of time. And you can get that delivered 
and then you rinse and repeat, you start to create momentum in the business and, and a real sense of, of dynamic progress. So the whirlwind's always going to be there, but make sure that you as the leader really create space to work on the issues that, that matter. Wonderful. No, I think that's really helpful. There's a, such a lot of really useful material there for people. So now that's fantastic. As ever, um, you can get the show notes from this episode at xquadrant.com slash season three, episode nine. And you can get all the details about other episodes too at xquadrant.com slash podcast. So thanks so much for being part of this. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode or the next series even. Indeed. Bye Thanks, Dav. I've really enjoyed uh, doing this with you this time. Um, over these last episodes, I think we've uh, got into some really interesting topics. Running leadership teams, right, is a big and complex area. And I think we've just scratched the surface here, but on some, you know, real issues that people do find. So thank you for helping um, uh, facilitate these discussions. Absolute pleasure. No, I'm loving it. Okay. And uh, thanks, everybody else. And uh, see you um, in the next episode. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.